Cairo. Feast. Take a bite out of Dr. Jeff's wisdom so you can pay it forward. Come and get it. Cairo Feast is online and we are ready to serve. And today we're going to serve up... um, a dish that is a recording of a boot camp that I recently did with a group of chiropractors. And this is a special guest, Garth Heckman, who is a pastor and an entrepreneur, and he has some great insights on how to be different. And so what I want you to munch on today is the thought process behind being different in a world that's secular, in a world that is self-absorbed, in a world that is changing. You know, it's, it's not so much normal to be, you know, coat and tie anymore in the medical profession or chiropractic profession or in any profession, to be honest with you. I mean, sometimes an attorney will walk up to you with flip-flops on these days. Hmm. Interesting. So enjoy this conversation and think about your profession. Think about what you can do to not just be different, but still be professional. What does it mean to be professional and be different um, in today's day and age? Okay, so enjoy this and uh, we will see you at the next episode. All right, everybody, welcome to Big Fish Boot Camp. And we've got a special guest with us today. I'm excited to bring him to you um, and excited to let you know that Garth has uh, graced the stage at the Cairo Life Conference a couple of different times. And uh, um, it's been fantastic to have you involved with Big Fish. Uh, so Thank you. welcome, Garth Heckman. Thank you, Dr. Chap. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. Excited to be a part of this. Hoping I get as much as possibly I can give. So thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've got an interesting topic. And so I'm just going to kind of set the stage here today uh, because um, this honestly should probably be recorded while we are sitting around a fire pit, uh, maybe with a, a beverage and uh, and just chatting. And, and that's the way I love to do these boot camps. Uh, they should be conversational. Um, I want our listeners and our, our uh, chiropractors to get to know who you are, Garth. Not all of them will know who you are. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited because you're, you're a renaissance man. You are, you, are, you are so gifted. God has given you so many gifts. And, um, ha- and one of those gifts is being fearless. And I love that about you, Garth, that you are absolutely fearless because when you're when you're focused on Christ and focused on what what God can do in your life, it just kind of gives you carte blanche just to be fearless. And and you've taken that to another level. And so, um, uh, you're a pastor, and yep. I, I say that because coming after that is going to be a whole bunch of other stuff. You've done so much in your lifetime. There should be a movie about you, Garth. In fact, I can see it now, Garth. You know, it's a giant <laughs> billboard with your head on it, maybe a muscle or something like that. And it's going to be called Garth. Um, so I'll, I'll buy a ticket to that movie. But in the meantime, <laughs> why don't you uh, start by giving us a little bit of a background about you so that we can then apply, because the, the big takeaway from today, I think, is going to be about being different. And right. 
being someone that can be used by God to do different things and connect with people in different ways. Um, so with that kind of being the thought process, um, Garth, give us, give us a little background on, on you, who you are, where you've been. Well, thanks, Jeff. If, if for no other reason today, I love the idea of a movie on my life. So thank you. Uh, you know, I want to be careful because I always want to make sure that I glorify God in everything I do, everything I say, because it's, it's really never about me. But the short story is grew up in a pastor's home. Mom and dad loved God. They were fantastic. They were and they're still alive, still smart as a whip. My dad's still teaching in the university at 83. So they're great parents. Uh, but with that, grew up with the freedom to be myself, as my mom would say, we were who we are, much to the chagrin of our parents. But the main thing was love God. And then, as uh, uh, Augustine said, love God and do whatever you want. And that's kind of the way we were raised. So we had a lot of freedom. Uh, with that, grew up and got married at a young age, married at 19. Mm -hmm. But a year before that, I broke my neck in three places and had uh, paralysis in my arms, went through multiple surgeries, had the halo vest, the whole thing, got married, had 10 years of absolute misery in marriage. It was, it was horrible. I thought, uh, definitely going to get a divorce that would end my career per se as a pastor. And, you know, all the things that just keep Go, you know, that would build up with that as someone who's in ministry. From that point, though, uh, the, the marriage, God did remarkable things, was in ministry. I still am in ministry, but have also done other things like uh, public speaking, motivational speaking, started a company called Black and White Productions. Uh, my partner is Black, less the name Black and White Productions. We've traveled all over the world and spoke from grade school all the way up to um, nursing homes. We've done it all. With that, have started numerous businesses, have owned a gym, uh, have been a competitive powerlifter up until just about two years ago until some health uh, issues, not not health issues, just my body starting to break down. So I had to stop powerlifting competitively. And then I'm just finishing up and getting ready to launch uh, an app called Bid Jones, which will compete against eBay and offer up and let go and Craigslist and got a lot of irons in the fire. It sounds like, but honestly, there's not much more in my life that I do. So I try to keep, I try to keep it simple so I can focus. Well, the, the one thing that I'm most um, in touch with you on is your podcast, uh, The David yes. Alliance. Um, and tell, tell me a little bit about uh, The David Alliance, because uh, again, uh, back to being different. You know, I, I, I felt like, and I feel like your podcast is different than, than most podcasts. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I don't even know how I overlooked that. So maybe I do have too many things going on, but <laughs> do I do a daily podcast Monday through Friday. It's specifically for men, but I know that quite a few women listen. We just celebrated our 50,000th customer in listening to the podcast. So that's exciting. We keep it 10 minutes long with about eight minutes of real solid material. And my thought is guys feel beat up and I want them to listen to the podcast and get fired up, a shot in the arm, kind of some supernatural adrenaline, if you will. With that, throughout the last couple of years, we put on some conferences. Last year's conference got, uh, it got postponed. We won't say canceled, it got postponed because of this thing called COVID. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's, it's been going around. And now we have our next conference this Friday and Saturday, actually, May 21st, 22nd here at our church in Hillspring Church in New Prague. 
and uh, excited because my conference, I try to do completely different. I kind of joke because I've been to enough men's conferences where you go and you hear about porn, why you suck as a husband, and you should be more like Jesus. And sometimes you come out feeling more overwhelmed and beat up than you do really empowered. And so the conference has, uh, we have eight different speakers, all world-class speakers that are really, they're going to teach you in the things that are probably, you're probably more wanting to learn about the Second Amendment, the homosexual agenda, how to keep your family safe, uh, racial tension, all the things from a Christian perspective. And so we have some really, some really unique guests, CIA uh, operatives. Um, if you hear that barking, that's my dog. So we have a CIA operative. We have uh, one of the top speakers in the country who speaks on generations. Uh, we have uh, we have one of the guys on our board. He was an ex-Hells Angel. He was the vice president. And so we want guys to leave and be instructed and fired up. Uh, yes, we all need to be like Jesus. Yes, we all need to work on our marriages. And yes, porn is, uh, it's, it's in everything we do, everywhere we go. And it's a huge problem. But we try not to make those the focus. Uh, we try to use the David Alliance Conference as really groundwork to draw men in who wouldn't necessarily come to a conference and kind of light them on fire for God. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, listening to the ads that you've got out there, um, I heard that there's going to be some axe throwing and uh, there's also going to be a drawing for a gun. Like yes. you're giving away a gun. Yeah. We're, we're, well, you have to buy a raffle ticket. So you buy a raffle ticket. Okay. but it's 20 bucks. Yeah. We're giving away a Beretta nine millimeter. Uh, if you've seen lethal weapon uh, with the gun that Mel Gibson uses, it's that gun. But we're also going to teach on Saturday how to throw knives, how to throw axes. Uh, that is one of my uh, side talents uh, is teaching people how to throw knives. And Joe Bazat from our, our ex-CIA guy, he can he can match me head on. So we'll be giving some demonstrations, come out, throw some knives, throw some axes uh, during our lunchtime. And we're just going to butt heads as men that day and grow in Christ. I absolutely love it. Don't ever stop doing these conferences like this. Uh, and, and to, you know, case in point, this is exactly why I, I wanted you uh, to speak to our team because everything that you just said is so outside the box. It's so, it's so different. It's opposite of what is typical in a Christian men's conference. And, uh, so thank you for doing that. And thank you for being on today. In fact, I was going to read this because I found this. I was I was looking a little bit on, on Google today just to see what's out there on Garth Heckman. If you haven't Googled yourself, I'm talking to everybody who's listening now. If you haven't Googled yourself, you better, okay? Because you got to find out what's, what's out there about you. Um, but this is what it says uh, regarding Instagram. Garth Heckman, Jesus freak, speaker, teacher, entrepreneur, pastor, leader, Outside the box, poke the box, stomp the box, thinker. <laughs> stomp yes. the box. I like stomping the box <laughs> and poking the box. So that's awesome. Right. All right. So <clears throat> in in this, uh, primarily in this in this boot camp, I want you to speak in regard to healthcare. And you spoke so eloquently and very, uh, you connected with us really well from the stage at the last Cairo Life Conference um, regarding the front desk. And you talked about 
having the right spirit and the right uh, process at the front and the right image and, and uh, just all of that, it, I thought it was excellent. Um, so in speaking to that, I, I, I instantly recognize that you get it. You understand what, what, uh, what we want to uh, put out there in order to be different than is typical, the typical service, the customer service that you get and, and that kind of thing. Um, if you had to say just in general, not just in, in healthcare or in chiropractic, but just in general, um, in our culture, there's an old, the old school is, you know, uh, prim and proper, uh, especially in the healthcare industry or attorneys or accountants, um, you know, people wearing coat and tie, you know, looking professional and all of that kind of thing. And I really feel like right now we are like right on that edge of a complete change in how business is done. Yeah. Um, and I think the COVID thing kind of helped this along a little bit too, because all of a sudden now people are zooming from their bedrooms and from their, you know, living rooms and they're wearing their slippers and their hat, you know, so that they didn't have to take a shower in the morning. Um, what do you see uh, being different now, right, right now in our culture and business? You know, I think one thing that COVID has done uh, in a positive way is we've really had to get back to who we are and why we do what we do just as individuals. Think about the average person getting ready for work in the morning. They've got to dress. They've got to pick out a wardrobe. They've got to figure out what mindset they're going to have all because they're going to be around people that day in the office. They're maybe going to run into customers. They're going to run into Bob who works in accounting. And so a lot of mental energy goes into this, whether we realize it or not. And so a lot of times that whole morning routine is disingenuous. We're trying to put our best foot forward, but more in probably more of a phony way than of who we really are. So all of a sudden I get to just wake up, make a cup of coffee, throw on a shirt, sit at my desk and work. And if I talk to anyone, I can do it kind of in the comfort of my own home. So there's some safety there to be who I am. And it allows people to kind of all of a sudden be more in touch with who they really are. And I think it's healthy. I think there'll be some growing pains when people have to go back to the office. Uh, though I know many will probably still work at home. But part of that has probably caused people to stop and really reflect the freedom that they have in just being themselves. And so I can really be myself when I'm at home in front of my computer rather than who I have to be when I'm at the office or at the job or working the front desk. And so with that, there's some growing pains. And I'm hoping that it causes people to understand that What's most important is being genuine and not necessarily putting the right foot forward if it's not your foot. And so, and my thing has always been, you know, I want, uh, I want, I want to be genuine. I want to, I see myself as a giant mirror and I want to reflect who Christ is, but in a very genuine manner, as far as who Garth is. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So when, uh, when it comes down to, so let's talk about that for a second. So you said, uh, the most important thing is being genuine when you walk into, so maybe speak as a, uh, as a customer, um, or a patient, if you will, um, when you go to a doctor's office, your, what are your expectations when, when you go to a doctor, is it, is it still that number one thing uh, that they're genuine with you? And then, what would number two, three, and four be? And, and 
Justin, you can pipe in on this too, but uh, let's hear from Garth first. And then Justin, you can pipe in on, on, on what you feel the top three or four items would be. So I'll give you a little bit of background to this answer. About 15 years ago, my, my friend Phil and I, who had this company, Black and White Productions, were traveling and speaking. We signed a huge contract with the state of Florida where we would be speaking about six months straight, about 10 times a week, we're flying back and forth. It was very long, tedious. It was grueling. But we get to do what we love, which is speak. But somewhere in the middle of that, we went to a school and we were, we were speaking primarily to parents, to school boards, and to high school and middle school students. And so you'd get to the school, you'd uh, have someone there who's going to introduce you to the teacher or the principal, and you'd have all these questions. And at one point I had to uh, sit my partner down and kind of give him uh, a, a different visual of how this is working. And the meaning this, by about your 40th school, it's very easy to go on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And even though this might be our 40th school in Florida, it's more like our 40,000th school uh, in the history of us speaking. So I can't allow myself or my colleague to walk in there with that mindset because the mindset of the school is, oh, my goodness, this is the first time. This is so much fun. We're paying $3,000 to have you here. And we've put all this time and effort into it. And we've advertised and their, their level of expectation and excitement is up here. And because we've become so common with it, if ours is down here, they almost feel ripped off. Now, when we get in front of the kids, we're going to nail it. When we get in front of the parents, we're going to nail it. But we need to understand that the people who brought us in have these expectations. And so we have to treat every school as if it's our first, every principal as if it's our first, every teacher as if it's our first. And I see a lot of times the problems in an environment especially such as a clinic where someone's really going in there and your job is to help people is that this becomes customer 9,243. And we don't realize that this customer, yes, they might be, they might've been coming to your clinic for nine months, but they might've only come 20 times. They're still really new. They still have this expectation of, Hey, this is brand new for me. Please treat me as if it's brand new for you as well. Otherwise, I almost feel like you're, you're cheating me or ripping me off. And worse, I might feel like you don't really care. And so you have to have that level of understanding as someone who's behind the desk or a doctor or, uh, you know, the different people that work for you or under you that, hey, and especially if it's their first time, you know, they're going to, you know, like we talked about at your conference, they're going to have questions the whole drive there. And if they have to walk in and sit down in your, in your waiting area, 20 minutes before they can ask a question, their nerves are going to be amped up. So like I always teach, as soon as someone walks in, especially if it's their first time, you right away say, are there any questions that I could immediately answer for you? Mm-hmm. And they might have questions that the, the you know front desk receptionist can't answer. I've got a pain in my lower back, you know, but it, you, you at least give them the opportunity to understand, hey, they know this. this is my first time. And I really appreciate that because it makes me feel like I'm important to them. Yeah. You know, I, you, you nailed it there. I, I think one of the things that doctors uh, have a major problem with as they get older, this is something to actually get worse at. And you just mentioned it by the time you've done your 40,000th talk in front of a school, you know, you're, you're on autopilot. The same thing happens to chiropractors as we get older we just assume that the patient that we're talking about knows where their lumbars 
are in their back. Yeah. We, we just assume that they know what they're looking at when we show a side view of somebody's neck. You know, I, and I, I realized this once when I, when I showed a picture of somebody's neck and they said, is that where my butt is? And <laughs> I was like, uh, no, that's your head, <laughs> you know? Um, but the education, we, we just, we take for granted the knowledge that we have. And I'm sure this happens to you as a pastor as well. I mean, you've got some people that they have never heard the message, the gospel message or anything. They don't know, they have no uh, biblical background to know anything. And you might be telling a story about Job and they don't know who Job is, you know? Right. Um, and it's so important for us chiropractors to, to realize that the person we're talking to doesn't know what a subluxation is. They, they don't know how the body is uh, formed or controlled. You got to explain the nervous system. You got to explain how it works. And, you know, a lot of times I preface it by saying, uh, Susie, I know that you are uh, smarter than the average bear, but I'm going to, I'm going to speak to you as if you know nothing. Um, so just so you know, I, 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 am going to speak to you that way. That way I can feel good knowing that I gave you everything that I, that I have. And right. as soon as I say that in a, in a report of findings, it disarms the situation a little bit. Uh, so that if I, if I'm saying something really basic that they're not like, well, I know that, you know, you know, that right. type of thing. Right. Um, and Justin, maybe you can uh, give us a little bit of your uh, insight on that same kind of question. You know, I think I think most of what for me with Garth's talking about is is the experience of of a patient, and so or any company. You know, like one of the things I always try to do when I go into a restaurant and I and I try to teach my kids this. It's like it's all about the experience in the restaurant, and for me, it's creating an experience for the person who's taking care of me or who's serving me. So, the waitress, the hostess at the front. You know, simple things like look at their name. And say their name when you walk in, right? And, and if, if Joanne's at the front, just walk up and say, hey, Joanne, how's your day going? Before they even get a chance to greet you. And what I can promise is it will change the entire experience for you. Recently, my wife and I went to a seminar out in Pennsylvania. And we came in a little bit earlier. We're going to spend an extra day, just the two of us. Um, and we walked up to the car rental counter, right? And I don't know if you guys have been to a car rental counter lately, but... <laughs> They've sold all their cars, so they don't have enough cars anymore. Uh, and you got lines of people just mad because something went wrong, right? And they're yelling at people and others. And so I walked up and I just happened to pick the counter that had nobody standing on it, uh, which was my luck. Um, and so I walked up and there were these three ladies standing behind and they were doing their thing and not really paying attention to me. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to impact their day because obviously this whole space is super stressful. And so I just started loving on them, asking them how they were doing. How's the day going? How, what, how long has the company been existence? How long did they work there? What did they love about the company? And all these little, little pieces of just a conversation as they were doing their job. And at the end, the manager came up and she started talking to me and we had a full on conversation and the gal, her, they went over to this bag full of keys and they're looking through these keys and I'm sitting there just, watching them and they're staring at me and they're like, you're probably wondering what we're talking about, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I am. And they're like, well, we just want to make the right car selection for you. And so what we're going to do, because we don't want you to wait anymore like other people have had to, and you have not complained about it. We just want to give you the best car. So we're going to upgrade you 
to this other car, which typically costs like an extra $150 for the days that you're, you're renting it. And it's really nice. And if you're okay with that, that's what we want to do for you. And I was like, sure, I think I could handle that. Right. And it wasn't that I went to it, hoping that I would get something out of it. It's that I went into the experience trying to make their experience with me better than the last person's experience. Right. And I think if in our practices and in our businesses and church and all those things, I think that's ultimately what people are coming to do. Because like Gar said, whether it's their first time or their hundredth time, they want to be feel, they want to feel, they want to be treated like it was their first time. They want that experience that this never goes away. There's something special about this place, this church, this clinic, this business, whatever, that makes me want to come back more because I'm allowed to just be me I'm allowed to leave. Like I tell people all the time, especially my team, just leave your junk at the door. You know, take that bag of all the emotion and all the things in the world that are going wrong, drop it at the door, come in and let's love on some people. And I promise you 100% of the time, when you walk back out, all of that bag will still be sitting there ready for you to pick up. And I think that's what doctors miss. And I think that's what we miss in our team is, is serving people based on our circumstances and what we have going on. And unfortunately, when you're in a business of service, loving on people gives you more than it will ever give them, I promise you. And that story, of the I've used that a number of different times with my team because it's just all about creating this unique experience for a human being. And it doesn't just have to be in your business. It has to be in your life. And you can really start to influence people in a positive way if you focus on that. So for me, it's all about experiences in life and how can I affect people in a moment that could change their whole day. And I would assume, I hope that they go home and they talk to their family about this one guy they got to meet that changed and treated them different. Um, and the same thing with the restaurant when using people's names and just loving on people, you will always get a better human being when you treat them like a human being and not someone that's just there to serve you. You know, you're, you're talking about something that's so simple and so basic and so easy to do and it costs nothing right nothing and costs nothing but yet but yet it's hard to do why is it so hard for us to do it and it reminds me of the uh, you know this okay I, i'm going to be vulnerable here and i'm going to i'm going to say that you know i probably don't tell my wife that i love her enough Okay, because there is no enough. I mean, you should be saying it all the time, right? But the typical guy thing is, honey, do you love me? You know, if, if, if your wife says, honey, do you love me? And you say, well, of course I love you. Well, you haven't told me recently. Well, I told you like six months ago. And if it changes, I'll let you know. You know, right. and that's how us guys, we tend to think, right? Um, you know, I, I said that before I meant it. And I still mean it. And if, if it changes, I will update you. But until such time, you know, why should I have to say it again? Well, guess what? You do. You yeah. need to say it again, uh, you know, and, uh, and can, it's can still, I address that? Can I yes, address please. That so one of the things that I try to uh, instruct people, and again, I'm, I sometimes speak in front of secular audiences. I speak uh, every Sunday in front of a Christian audience. But when when we use an example like that and say that's you know because that's who i am and that's my makeup and it's so easy to do my question would be is then why don't you have a greater purpose because my purpose and this is my i 
Everywhere I go, I always say MGLG, make God look good, which is the simple way to say glorify God. Usually when we say glorify God, people don't know, <laughs> like, okay, hallelujah, thank you. But it just means make God look good. So everything I do, I want to make God look good because for me, it's always a bait and switch. I'm always going to treat you with respect and love and kindness because I'm always going to, at some point, try to make sure that you hear about Jesus. And so am I nice to the guy at Firestone who treats me like dirt? Yes. Um, it's not just to be nice. It's not just because it's the thing to do or because I'm having a good day. It's because ultimately when I open my mouth, I want to have built a bridge where he's going to at least consider what I have to say about Jesus. Uh, the reason why I tell my wife I love her every day isn't because it's the best thing to do or makes a healthy marriage. It's because I want to make God look good. I want people to go, wow, that's a godly husband. Not that's a good husband. That's a godly pastor. Not that's a good pastor. That's a godly power lifter. Not that's a good power lifter. And so I think sometimes when it's hard for us, it's because we've lost sight of a greater uh, a greater why in our life, which again, for me is, is I want to make God look good. Whenever I start a conversation with someone in the back of my head, it's always, always I'm building a relationship to at some point tell them about Jesus. And um, and with that, it really keeps things in line for me as far as how I'm going to treat people on a day-to-day -day basis, whether my wife or the, the stranger at the gas station. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm I'm not going to equate God with chiropractic, uh, but <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to take that and, and apply it now. So, for for those of us that are thinking, how do we make chiropractic look good? Because if we have somebody that's walking in, or if we're sitting down in an exam room, um, at, ask yourself the question: How do I make chiropractic look good? Right. What are the things that we can do? And Justin mentioned a whole bunch of them there, and connecting with the person. And, and you, you said being genuine, being authentic. Um, uh, those, are, those are so big. They're so huge. Um, and I would add in be humble, um, but be yeah. a confident humble, you know, be a knowledgeable right. humble. And, uh, you know, some of the other things that we want to do in order to make chiropractic look good is be intelligent, have an intelligent discourse where you're giving good education to patients because they need to know they, you know, they may not necessarily want to hear all the, the terminology that, that we use like degenerative joint disease and all of those things. Um, uh, but it's okay to use those things because that gives them education and gives them knowledge and helps make chiropractic look good. You right, know? Right. So that ultimately, so that people make a good decision about their health. In your scenario, Garth, making God look good makes it easier for them to hear your message eventually when you tell them about Jesus, you know? Right, And right. we eventually want to get people to make a decision to choose chiropractic and to, uh, to choose health and life. And to do that, we've got to get them to a point where they realize that chiropractic is good and this is the right place that they need to be at the right time let's go, let's do this. Yeah. Um, hey, and you know, with that, making chiropractic look good, uh, I realize that out in today's world, there are a lot of pastors who are, they're scumbags. You know, <laughs> every stereotype you're going to find in a pastor out there. Yeah. And it helps me understand that when I run into people, I try, I try to not let them know I'm a pastor. 
Uh, I'm very open with my faith, but I don't care if they know if I'm a pastor or not. But it's a shock to them later to find out, oh, you're a pastor. Uh, probably because I have a full right arm sleeve tattoo. But other than that, there's a few other things. But it makes me stop and go, for the normal chiropractor or whatever business you're in, understand that there are people you're going to come in contact with who have very poor stereotypical pictures of who you are and what you're about. Yes. And I, I think I shared this at your conference, if not the first one, the last one. Every chiropractor should jump online and Google Joe Rogan chiropractors and listen to his tirade about chiropractors. He covers every stereotype that's out there. And, and I honestly do the same uh, about there are certain people that I, I watch on YouTube who are not Christians and they tear apart pastors and evangelists. And it just keeps me, again, uh, humble and it keeps me in touch with where a lot of people are at. And so as a chiropractor, again, reminding yourself just because they walk in your door doesn't mean they're 100%, 100% sold on who you are and what you're going to do, nor means they trust you. It might have been their wife or their their husband or their father who just strong on them. Or maybe they're at their final you know, straw, like, okay, I'll try it. I don't believe in it, but I'll try it. So with that mindset, you go, okay, all the more, I have to make sure that I present myself in a way that honors them, that's humble, that's, like you said, intelligent, respectful, uh, because I might be starting in a deficit and not on even ground. So um, we're going to segue just a little bit. I, I, I want to ask you about um, balancing professionalism and authenticity because right. you're a, uh, you're a grassroots dude. I mean, you're a power lifting, guitar playing, head banging, uh, you know, people loving, spitting, shooting firearms, dude. And you're up front, you know, preaching. Right. So how do you balance that? Because the marketing question here, and, and Justin's really good at this as well. He's got a fantastic clinic where his marketing, you know, gets to a, a ton of people. How do, how do you uh, approach how you look on stage? Because I haven't seen you pastor, but I'm just going to guess that you don't have a three-piece suit on um, when, you're, when you're preaching. So I'd have to I'd have to own one. So no, we're just <laughs> there's no three piece suit. Okay, so how do you balance that, and how do you make that decision um, to not turn? Because you're you're probably going to turn some people away, you know, by by wearing ripped up jeans and uh, you know a tighter t shirt, you know. Yeah. So how how do you balance that, and how do you make a choice? Um, well, first let me set the record straight. I do not wear tight t shirts. I hate the guy who wears the tight t shirts. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a 3XL, 4XL t-shirt kind of guy because I wanted to be baggy, but that's just a, that's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, I don't walk around in an extra medium-sized t-shirt. But with that being medium. said, uh, there are a lot of things that I could say about we need to be ourselves, we need to be genuine, we need to be real, and they're all true. But I think the first thing I would start with is I need to be in the right environment in order to be me. I couldn't be me down on Wall Street. Not unless I've already made my billions and I'm Mark Zuckerberg in a hoodie or I'm Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, in a sweatshirt and a baseball cap. If I've made my hundreds of millions and billions, then, yeah, the world cuts me some slack. But for reality and the rest of us who are normal, I have to make sure that first I'm in the right environment to be me. If you're in a chiropract 
chiropractic clinic that's in, you know, Niels Higher, uh, Wyoming, population 400, you're probably going to be able to get away with a lot more than you could if you had a, a clinic in Edina. Uh, because you know your clientele, you know your community, uh, you know where you're at. So I would say that would be first and most important before we just say, hey, be yourself. Uh, there are times I can't be myself. There, You know, I do weddings and funerals, and I have some pretty uh, tense conversations with our denomination heads right now because we're, we're going through some denominational stuff. I can't just show up in shorts and a T-shirt like I am right now. Um, I, you know, I have to know my limitations and be respectful but with that being said, I need to make sure I'm in the right environment to, to just be me. So what, what I have found is the church that I'm at, it's in New Prague. <laughs> it's in New Prague. And it's, it's a smaller community. It's a church of only about 120. Uh, people first need to know that I absolutely love them. And then after that, I allow myself to be as free as I can be up to where I feel their comfort level's at. And then, you know, I'm, I'm very careful after that. Justin, uh, uh, apply that same kind of thought process and question to, because we're, we're in similar areas. Um, we're in a suburb of Minneapolis, um, St. Paul. How do you, how do you apply that uh, comfort level and, you know, how you dress and how, how do you make sure that you're connecting with, with the people that you want to connect with um, in your clinic? I think you're muted, Justin. Got it. Got it. Um, I think like Garth had said, I think anybody that, you know, when you're who you are, you draw a certain type of human being into your life as far as your church members, your practice members, your 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 team members. Um, but ultimately, there there is a balance of it all, right? I mean, I just, I had to break away for a minute. I, I got off a phone uh, with a, a patient that I'm going to see here at one o'clock. You know, she, she, she wouldn't be my typical human being that I would want in my space only because there are so many levels of conflict with her and my vision of health and especially during COVID in these times. But what I know is, is that for some reason in my heart, she needs to be here. And so I will change the way I will set my belief system aside in the COVID and all these pieces to meet her where she's at in hopes that someday I can bring her to where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's because of the space, right? We have Bible verse on the wall. We, we, we play Christian music. And, and, and so when she walks in, she knows there's something different. And she said that on the phone, she's like, she's so deathly worried about this whole mass mandate being moved. She's already had COVID. She's so scared to get it. This woman hasn't left her house and, but she's in so much pain. She has to leave her house. And she was just like, I just, I want to be there, but I'm afraid to be there. And so I have to create a space for her that allows her to come in so that we can open up her eyes and her heart to change her. Right. And so I think um, there's like Garth was saying there, there, there's a time and a place and it can exist within your own four walls. Right. I mean, there's a time and a place that I get to be, Justin hanging out with, you know, a friend of Jeff's, his name's Todd Geary, and who's exactly aligned with me and we can hang out and, and never have worn masks on this whole thing and just cool to this woman who has gotten it and is still afraid to get it again. And, and I think, 
you got to understand the person and who you're attuned to. I believe the 80, 90, maybe even 95% of the people you want to align with you. Otherwise, it gets super tiring. But you can be who you are, authentic and genuine, and bring people into your space that you can change and impact their lives forever. And those are the people who stay forever because you are willing to be different to show them what possibly could be out there in the areas of health and wellness and, and function. Who in this space is love on the people where they're at, but then show them what they could have. What, what, is, what is the picture of health they could have? And I think if we go that route without sacrificing our belief systems, you get people and minds and change you know, lives forever. Um, and I know, Jeff, you have a lot of that similarities in your practice. Yeah. So, you know, um, one of the things I think is taking place right now, probably faster than it has in the last decade or two decades, is the death of the white coat. Um, and, you know, I've always been, I mean, I, I could tell the story of, of the white coat that I had to wear when I was uh, an intern in, in graduate school. And I put a sign on my back that, that said, um, I'm embarrassed that I look like a lab tech and I'm a chiropractor. And I put that sign on my back. I had it uh, pinned to the back of my white coat because that was the rule. I had to wear the white coat. And anyway, it took about a week until I was pulled into the office of the clinic director. And he said, you know why you're here? And I said, um, maybe, why don't you tell me why I'm here? And he said, well, you've got a sign on your back and I think you need to take it off. And I'm like, do you understand why I have it on my back? You know, I, you know, and he said, yes, I do. But, you know, anyway, so the whole white coat thing right now, though, I think is getting a worse and worse rapport every day. People are like even more scared of white coats than they ever have been. And so, Garth, I want to hear from you because um, in, you know, the, how church was done in the past, you know, the right. pulpit and the, the three-piece suit and the, and the pews and the up, down, up, down in liturgical style and, you know, you know this whole thing, this image that we have of, of ministers and priests and whatnot. Um, I, I, that whole thing is going away too. So how, where do you see, um, in, in your profession and maybe also in, in, in some of the things that you're doing, cause I do want to talk about some of the other things that you're involved with as well. How do you see, uh, that changing the culture changing as to what's different and what is going to be attractive so that we can get our message out to people? Right. Well, okay, twofold answer. I think because we live in a culture where image is so, it's, it's everywhere. Your phone, your computer, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, everything is image, 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 image. Uh, we live in an invisible, make-believe world. We think this is what things are really like. And the truth is, everyone on Instagram, uh, TikTok, they're just like you. They're just like me. We have the same issues. So with that being said, I think there's a hunger uh, from people for someone who's genuine, who's just, that's just who they are. Uh, love them or hate them, that they're just honestly that way. That's their personality. That's their humor. They're just, they're just Bob Smith or whoever. They're just Garth Heckman. You just know who you get, whether he's on the platform preaching or at home in the living room 
or, you know, at the mechanics mad that his car didn't get fixed. He's just always going to be the same person. So I think in that genuineness, it's a real attraction to people. And early on, when I started working for my dad at his church, it was you had to have a tie and you had to uh, wear the suit and all that. And about two years into it, I remember sitting down with him and saying, Dad, I, I can't do this. Not because uh, I'm rebellious and I, you know, I, I don't like to wear a suit. I said, it just really isn't me. And I just come from working in the inner city of Chicago. So uh, there was quite a bit more freedom there. But I told him, I said, I'm going to start growing my hair out. I'm going to put an earring in, uh, put my earring back in. And I'm not going to wear a suit and a tie anymore. I said, I just, I don't feel, I don't feel genuine. And I said, and honestly, if that's a problem, I understand if you tell me I got to go find another place to work because there's a very suburban, well, uh, kind of a white collar community. And I said, and I get it if that doesn't work for you. And he was very gracious. And I continued to work for him about three, four more years. And then I went back to working in the inner city. But I, I think with that, when you're when you have staff that are genuine, when your chiropractor is genuine, uh, regardless of how they look, uh, obviously we want them to have a shower, deodorant, you know, well kept. But uh, there's a difference between the guy who gets up in, in ripped jeans and a T-shirt and the guy who gets up in really nice ripped jeans and a really nice T-shirt. Uh, you know, one is genuinely concerned and cares about the customer coming in and one doesn't. Uh, this past Sunday, kind of funny. I actually dressed up halfway decent for Sunday morning, meaning a shirt with a collar, a vest, um, dress jeans, because I usually wear jeans. And as I pulled into my parking lot, I spilled my Starbucks coffee all over my shirt. And I, I kind of laughed and said, well, it's a sign from God. Quit quit trying to be you know, a dress shirt and vest and all that. And I put a T-shirt on that I had here in my office and preached in a T-shirt. But I, I think the big thing is, if you're genuine, you can get away with just about anything uh, because people want to know that you're you and you're real and in that care for them. And, and then uh, I, I think that goes a long way in today's world. I really do. And let me do we have time for a two minute story. <clears throat> so when I first came to Apple Valley, moved here 20 years ago. We just picked a dentist uh, that was on our insurance list, just the name of a dental clinic. We walk in and one of the dentists, last name is Dungy. And I go, I, I'm talking to my son at the time who's 12. And I said, I, I wonder if that's Tony Dungy's brother or he's related to him. And the woman at the front desk says, yeah, it's his brother. So we said, well, then we want him as our dentist. She gives us this long speech about how don't ask for free tickets, don't ask for autographs. And that's not where we were going at all. I was just, yeah, okay. So I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I didn't tell him anything about me. But I told him the first time I met him that day, love your brother, uh, love the, the football, love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is who he was coaching at the time. And so about eight months later, I'm in for a checkup. And I said, I heard an interview with your brother that really made me laugh. And he goes, oh, what was it? I said, they were asking him about how on one side of the field, you have a Bill Cower, and they actually used him, the coach of the Steelers at that time, who's cussing up a blue streak. You know, every other word is a, is a, is a swear word. And then they have your brother on the other side and who never says anything. And the point of the story was is after a game, he apologized to his team because he swore. And 
the Andrea Kramer was the interview and she said, what word did you use? And he said, well, I don't want to say it, but it started with a D. And so she said, so you said the word damn. And he goes, yeah. And he, he's, look, he's very embarrassed. So I'm telling this to his brother saying, it just blew me away. His brother goes over, he takes his lab coat off. He shuts the door to the little room we're in. He has my file and he sets it on the table. He says, can I have two minutes of your time to tell you why, why he said that? And I said, sure. So he, he starts for the next two, three minutes of telling me about the gospel presentation. And the thing was, it was so genuine. Even if you were an atheist, even if you were, you know, of, a, of another faith, it was so genuine and it so disarmed me. I let him, I let him give the whole gospel presentation. And it wasn't until the end that I told him I was a pastor. You know, and he started laughing. He goes, well, why didn't you tell me? I said, I just, I said, I'm so amazed at just the love and the care that is pouring out of you right now. I said, this is why your clinic is packed. And, and, and I mean, it's the truth. His clinic has, he's got people for years that are going to constantly come to him because of just that genuineness and that love that just oozes from him. If a chiropractor has that, they really won't have to worry at all about drumming up customers because your customers will be your biggest fan base. They will drive people to your door. That's awesome. Great story. Um, I know the, this new project of yours, uh, what was it called again? Um, Bid Jones. Bid Jones. B-I-D. B-I-D Jones, yeah. Jones. Okay, so uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And then how are you going to be different? Okay, because you're entering the world of the sharks. Um, because right. from Craigslist to all these other, you know, sites where people can, you know, buy stuff. Why are you going to be the one that people are going to click on? And chiropractors can be thinking about why are you going to be the one that people will choose to come and see? And, and you just got done talking about the, the genuine aspect that uh, Dr. Dungey has. But right. um, um, how are you going to do that with, uh, with your site? Because that's inanimate. Um, right. You know? Yeah. So how are you going to do that? Well, there's there's one thing I want to tell you about right away, but I really don't want to in case a competitor would, would hear about it. Just one of the ways we're going to be different. Uh, but I would imagine as soon as we start to do it, people will start to talk. But how our site specifically will be different is that we have a platform which you can sell a waterbed or your new song or your new movie. So anything that's digital and or concrete. But one of the things that sets us apart is that we have a blockchain element in our app so that it has all these safety features. And you can create something to sell and you can use blockchain to do what's basically a worldwide patent on it. Or if we're going to do business and I'm going to paint your house and you go on my app to find a service, you can set up that contract through blockchain again which is, again, a, a very high level of security to make sure that no one gets ripped off. So that's probably the biggest key factor uh, how it's going to be different. There are a lot of other features as far as safety. There's features as far as alerts. Uh, if you look for something that's not listed, your phone will alert you when you're within a proximity of your phone. So one of the, one of the features there is if I'm looking for a Jose Canseco rookie card, and there's not one within an hour of me, but I go to grandma's house, which is in Montana, and my phone goes, hey, there's someone in the area with a Jose Canseco rookie card. I want to want to see that, you know, I, before I lay down the money, 
uh, and not necessarily have them mail it to me. Some of the some of the problems with some of the other platforms is there are disputes about who sold what, whether I got it or I didn't get it or it's not what they said it was. And so a lot of this app is going to take care of a lot of those things. And then the other thing as far as if you sell any of your digital products, specifically music, we're going to have our own radio on the app, on the website, where if you go to sell your music, you can have it loaded up onto our radio so that people can go on the app and just listen to pick a genre of music or play it random, whatever, and hear all the different tracks that are are on that app for sale. So a lot of different things, but I'll say this, Jeff, I started it three years ago thinking about how I was going to sell my next book. Uh, I've written 12 books and you don't make a lot of money writing books unless you write the next Harry Potter, which I don't plan on it. So in thinking through and praying, uh, God just began to download things to me and I began to build them into the app where if I was done with the app in three months, it'd be so not what it is today. So I've been very thankful that I've had to do it by myself in a sense. Um, I've, I've had a gentleman help walk me through the process of making an app and what you do. But as far as the brainstorming, the planning, working with a team in India, working with a team in Germany, that's really all been me. And because of the slow process, it's allowed God to give me more insight as far as how to put things together in this. And um, my lawyer, we filed quite a few things in the patent office. And my lawyer right away said, I'm surprised no one out there is doing this. And that's where I just kept saying this because it's God. And, and I really believe God has kind of uh, given me a supernatural insight into things that are really going to be completely different. And, and I know this word is overused, but very much disrupt to this market. So now uh, being the author of, of so many books and whatnot, and we're, we're up against the clock here. We've got just a few minutes left, but, um, when, when you were, you know, promoting your, your books and whatnot, how did you, cause there's a, you know, thousands and thousands of books in the right. you know, spiritual aisle or whatever, or whether it be youth ministry aisle, how did you want to be set apart so that people would select your book? Well, the first book that really took off was called burn this book. And it was a book that you wrote. It was kind of a devotional and at the end you burned it. And so that kind of had a unique niche. And so that was, you know, that was pretty popular on its own. But <clears throat> just yesterday in my podcast, I talked about why smart people fail. And when you study businesses and you study successful people, truly probably the biggest difference is that they know how to network. And I'm genuinely interested in other people and what they're doing and how they're doing it because I know ultimately that's my network. And so when I when I go to launch this app, I have two different groups. I'm launching it with a group through Patrick Bet David uh, with Valuetainment, uh, who I was approached by one of his associates. And then I'm also uh, going to promote it through another hundred entrepreneurs who are techies, coders, musicians, artists. And these are all just networks over the course of my life, really, that I have built and stayed in contact with and loved. And so great example, one of my one of my friends who's an artist, he just released a CD last week and it's rap. And and I'm a fan of rap, but I don't I'm not a heavy listener of rap. But I thought, you know what? I love this guy. I want to support him. I bought three of his CDs and I, I have one. Listen to it today. In fact, pretty good. I'm going to give two away to other artists. And just it's, it's networking, networking and not just 
in a manipulative way, but network to love and to add value to what they're doing. And ultimately, that's really what where success falls in line. Well, we're right up against the clock here, so I'm I'm, I'm going to shut it down here. But what what I've recognized in this past uh, you know 55 minutes is that kind of woven throughout what you said, uh, Garth, and what Justin said, and what I said was the fact that if we're going to be different, we have to be genuine. And whether it's in our networking or whether it's in how we uh, greet somebody at the front desk or whether it's how we educate somebody at, during a report of findings, uh, it's the authenticity, the genuine with genuineness uh, with which you speak and communicate and how you make someone feel. You, you spoke about the, uh, how you just felt the love ooze out of Dr. Dungey, the dentist. Yeah. Um, man, if we can just make people feel that, exactly. um, that makes us so different than the transactional care that people get all over the world. You know, it's just transactional. Um, yeah. so may, uh, may we all ooze, um, you know, maybe that's the, the, the takeaway. Let's, <laughs> let's ooze the, uh, the genuine, um, authenticity of who we are. And uh, whether you, you know you're a man of faith or a man of morals, you know whatever you want to ooze that love that you want to care for people, let it let it come out um, because that's going to be the difference maker. So, yeah. um, Garth, I just want to uh, plug this again. Uh, the, uh, your podcast is fantastic. Um, it's short. Um, I, I live uh, 11 minutes away from my clinic. And I, it's almost perfect. You know, I can drive, turn it on and I can listen to your podcast and arrive in the parking lot. It's a perfect amount of time. It's a little shot in the arm. Um, you are a raw human being that is just willing to share um, your faith and your stories. Your stories are endless. I don't, I don't know how somebody has so many stories uh, as you do. Um, so I, I enjoy it very much. So the David Alliance, uh, for those of you that uh, are listening to this, uh, go to your podcast, wherever you get your podcast and download the David Alliance to get a chance to go to the David Alliance conference. Um, do that. Are you doing it twice a year or just once? Well, we want to do it twice a year and, and we would have had this conference earlier in the year, but because of COVID. So this year we'll probably still just have one, but then going into next year, we'll have two. Okay. All right, Garth, until we speak again, uh, thanks, Justin. Thanks for being on. And thank you to everybody attending the boot camp. We'll see you next month. Thank you. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for uh, sticking with us through that boot camp. I hope you got a lot out of that. I think there's a lot to, to eat on and chew on there uh, with regard to being different. And as always, you know, I want you to, to, to stay hungry to keep learning, be coachable, always be looking to improve, and as always, pay it forward. Cairo Feast.